informative podcast all about training working dogs look no further than the lwdg pod dog this weekly show is hosted by me joanne perrott founder of the ladies working dog group and i chat to experienced trainers and experts in the field who will give you helpful tips and advice whether you're just getting started or you've been working dogs for years this podcast will have something for you so pull up a chair pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to lwdg pod dog and let us help you build a better bond with your best friend. Hello and welcome to another episode of LWDG Pod Dog. This week we are going to be talking about why your dog needs manners, behaviours versus training. And joining us to talk about this fantastic topic is no other than the amazing LWDG group expert Claire Denya. How are you today Claire? I am very well Joe. thank you and I'm excited about this podcast. I'm excited about it too, but before we start, tell people who are listening, who may not have listened before, a little bit about you and what you do. Yes, so my name is Claire Denya, and with my husband, I run Family Dog Services, and we're based in Maidstone and Kemp. We're behavioural trainers, but we predominantly work with gun dogs. Um, So we do a lot of gun dog training classes and one-to-ones, but we also do a lot of behaviour work as well and work with puppies but also work with behaviour modification as well. So we have quite a varied um, job description, I suppose, Um, but we're very, very passionate about um, dog training and behaviour and um, how to help owners get the best out of their dogs, really. So to go and start on our topic straight away, we all expect adults that we meet every day to have manners, and a lot of the conversation that we speak about within the forums, within the website, is about the lack of manners that are seen within dogs, like in parks, places we go. What are manners and why do dogs need them? So good manners, I mean, this will vary from owner to owner on what they expect of their dog. Um, but for me, good manners is a dog that um, is respectful, it doesn't jump up, it doesn't barge through doorways, um, it listens to the owner. Uh, not a rude dog. You know, I see some dogs and I describe them as, as rude. They're quite rude. Um, and whereas a dog with good manners is really nice and a pleasurable dog to spend time with and one that you can take out and about and take to the pub, and relax with your dog, not worrying about it being rude. <laughs> there is this sort of change in the dog culture at the moment, isn't there? And I think COVID played a huge part in that, where three million new households became dog owners, potentially without any understanding of dogs or their behaviour or how to train them. And now we've got this explosion of dogs that literally have no manners and it's not that the dog is a nasty dog it's just the dog has no clue how to behave around other people or other dogs that's absolutely right and the majority of the time the dog just hasn't been educated on how to behave um dogs are dogs and dogs will do what dogs find rewarding and dogs will do what we allow them to do so unless we educate young dogs on how to behave around people around other dogs 
then we can't expect them to have what we would deem good manners. Um, and that's the thing. We have to educate the dog on how they should behave. And I see a lot of dogs that don't have good manners. They will run up to strangers and jump up them. They will run up to other dogs and literally jump on them. Um, you see this a lot and it filters through into training. A lot of people want to train their dog to a high standard in a specific skill set, but unless their dog has good manners, it can be a challenge in training the dog. So it can massively affect your training program. Yeah, because a lot of these owners could have gone along with all the good intentions to puppy class or to some sort of training class but there is definitely a huge difference between training and, and manners and behavior isn't there yeah there is so a good example of this would be this is the best way I find it to describe um is you might go along and you might watch um an obedience class in a village hall and those dogs may look very well trained and they're able to perform certain skills within that hole very well. And they might be passing, let's just say, good citizens, bronze, silver or gold. But when the owner leaves that hall and tries to walk the dog down the road, you may see very, very different behaviours from the dog. So the dog has learned, it's been trained in specific skill sets, in specific places and areas under certain circumstances. But what the dog's lacking is any generalization of that and general good manners with the owner in general in day-to-day -day life. And you hit on something really important there, isn't it? The dogs will learn in specific locations. So the dog learns, like you said, in the hall to behave one way. But it hasn't worked out. It needs to do that the next time it's at the park. Yeah, absolutely. So another good example of that, um, let's just say on our training field where we run our classes, we would expect the owner to be able to walk to the field or to the training area from their car with their dog in the same way that they walk them during the class. Not get out of the car, drag the owner up the path <laughs> or up the field, get to where we actually start officially training and then the dog executes this perfect hill work. So that is a dog that's almost environmentally trained, but anything else other than that, the dog doesn't have good enough manners to maintain that behavior under the other circumstances. So training and behavior, although they are two different things, they are massively interlinked. And if you haven't got a dog that has good manners and good behavior in general, it will affect your training ability. A friend of mine growing up had the most fantastic show jumping pony. It was amazing. But whilst he was on and he was show jumping, that horse was a machine. You, it was incredible. Coming out of the ring when he got off that horse, that horse would try to bite and kick him to death. He literally, it was horrific. And my dad used to say, why do you keep him? He's like, because he will win in the ring. And I was like, that's a, a massive example, isn't it? Behaviour was terrible. Yeah. Training of what his job was, was perfect. So do you think that people are getting lost in this understanding that 
they need to proof the dog in lots of places they need to teach good manners that go everywhere they go yeah so for, for me this definitely starts in the house um or at home um whether your dog's kenneled or living in a house will will vary on some of the bits and pieces but it starts at the home you need to have a dog that's respectful and when I say respectful I'm not talking about being some domineering dog owner that <laughs> that chastises their dog constantly but there should be a level of respect there and the dog should not be barging through doorways the dog should be respectful at doorways the dog shouldn't be counter surfing jumping up you mugging you for food um, all these sorts of things that their behavior based things but if your dog behaves like that in the house, and, and this is something we've talked about on other podcasts and in masterclasses, if your dog doesn't listen to you in the home and won't sit for you to open a door, we really can't be then surprised if when we take that dog out, the dog is more distracted, other stuff's going on, if the, if the dog then doesn't recall and things like that. So this behaviour that we're talking about and general good manners and the dog listening to the owner will help you to have a well-trained dog because the dog understands, regardless of where you are, and this starts in the home, that actually it needs to listen to you. Um, so let's take for an example, I, I might get a client come and see me and, and they want to do gun dog training, okay? But we're trying to have a conversation about gun dog training and the dog is constantly jumping up them or barking or suddenly lunging on the lead to get to me. I need to address those behaviours to be able to effectively train that dog in gun dog skills. The dog needs to learn to have self-control. And a dog that's jumping up the owner, attention-seeking, barking, lunging at me, lunging at anything else, um, refusing to sit still for a moment while we discuss an exercise, that dog has no self-control. So we can't then train it to have to be a really good gun dog with steadiness if the dog can't have good self-control and have good manners when we're actually trying to just have a very simple conversation. Does that make sense, Joe? It absolutely does. And I can remember two years ago when we did the hot mess handler and we had these two topics, self-control and steadiness. And I was like, aren't they the same thing? But they really are very different, aren't they? And self-control is probably fundamental for manners. Absolutely. So steadiness, if we want to break them two things down, steadiness is the dog's ability to sit steady to a throne dummy, to sit and wait when you ask it to and you take its lead off. Self-control is the part where the dog knows that skill because you've trained it, but it can maintain it itself because it has self-control it doesn't need to be restrained or constantly nagged the dog has the self-control and enough manners about it to listen and to follow instruction and maintain that itself so they do cross over but the dog just because the dog can do it because you ask it to that's, an, that's training, that's training and exercise, but the dog being able to either offer that behaviour itself or maintain that behaviour without being restrained or constantly told to sit back down, self-control comes in there. And if we look back at what's happening across rescue centres across the UK for, 
for all breeds, not just for Spaniels and Labs and working breeds. For the most part, the young dogs, the young male dogs that are going in at year old, two year old, this lack of manners is now ending up with the dog not fitting into family life. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And a lot of that is that the dogs aren't being taught self-control. They're not being taught to settle and just switch off. There is this massive trend at the moment where it's all about enrichment and um, giving the dog stimulation and keeping it busy and tiring it out with mind games. Dogs actually need to settle. They need to have self-control and learn to switch off. A dog that is constantly stimulated is going to be in a heightened state of arousal, stressed, um, unable to relax. And we, we need a gun dog. Well, we need pet dogs as well to have the ability to switch off. And we have to train that. So this is again where this crossover happens. We have to teach the dog to settle on a bed. And then we have to teach the dog to maintain that and use its self-control to do that. Now, if more young dogs were taught to, to switch off and do nothing and just settle down at a younger age, I genuinely feel there would be a lot less dogs, young dogs going into rescue. I genuinely feel that. Now, I know me and you have chatted many times as of the other trainers around enrichment, and I'm probably going to poke the bear a little bit here. But if you look <laughs> at dogs in, in the wild or in nature, or even... 20 years ago i know my dad his friends were not thinking what can i do to keep my dog occupied not that the dog should be the dog but the dog just laid down and just chilled out with everybody else you know we'd sit down dog would lay down i don't understand where this concept has come from that the dog whilst his eyes are open must be doing something all the time Absolutely. I mean, my youngest is three years old, but from eight weeks of age, I was teaching her to settle. And to start with, I either had her on a lead or in her crate in between her training and exercise so that I could teach her how to switch off. You have to teach a young dog this, you know. But my dogs, they get their stimulation and their enrichment from their training and their exercise with me. The rest of the time, they switch off, okay? They, at the moment, all three of them are laying around the kitchen. I'm busy talking to you, and I know that they will be completely content now. They, they went out early this morning. They did some training, which is their mental stimulation. We had fun. That's their enrichment, and now they're settled, you know. They don't have loads of toys scattered around the house. They have one or two appropriate items that they're allowed to carry around. They also pick up other things to retrieve to me when they feel like it. But they've learned a very important life skill, which is so important for pet dogs, which is just to relax and allow you to get on with what you need to get on with. We shouldn't need to be constantly entertaining them. And their ability to relax and just chill out with us, that is like literally a fundamental manner. Lay down, calm down. Yeah, and that you train that, but then their self-control and their behaviour and good manners 
is what helps them to maintain that and understand that that's what's expected of them. So it is like this training versus um, behaviour. For me, we can train skill sets. We can train the dog to retrieve. We can train the dog to walk nicely to heal. We can train the dog to do a sit and stay. Behaviour comes from us educating the dogs from a young age on what is and isn't appropriate um, and giving them good guidance to be a, a well-mannered dog with good behaviour. So you talked a little bit about how you trained your own dogs to have sort of self-control in the house, to just lay down, to calm down, to show respect when you're opening a door, to wait for their food, just basic manners. Um, where do we start with training manners? If somebody's listening to this now and they're like, oh, well, my, you know, my dog will walk to heel on a lead, but in the house it just doesn't settle, it's, it's wandering around everywhere. Where should somebody start? Yeah, so it needs to start with the simple things. So teaching the dog doorway manners, pop a lead on the dog, open the door, and the dog should remain sitting or standing by your side while you open that door without barging out. Once you've trained that on a lead, you then start to train that without a lead, which is when the dog will start demonstrating to you that they have self-control. When you're training it, you might use the lead to do a bit of management to ensure the dog doesn't get it wrong, and you can close the door if the dog gets up. Um, but doorway manners are a great start point. Um, you can also do that if you're using a crate when you're training your dog. When you open the crate, the dog shouldn't be barging out. Um, so if the dog goes to run out, you shut the door again, and you have to be able to teach the dog that just because that door is open, I need you to remain calm until I give you permission to come through. Now, it's not about me always going first. There are times in the day where I just want to open the door and let my dogs out, but I expect them to wait calmly for me to open the door and then I give them permission to go. I might not be going out myself with them out into the garden. Um, so things like that. Food manners. So, you know, teaching the dog to sit calmly while you prepare their food and then put the food on the floor, give the dog permission to eat it. I'm not, I'm not somebody that makes my dog wait for ages to eat once I've put that food down. Um, if I was in a restaurant and the waiter said, you've got to wait 10 minutes before you can actually put a knife and fork into that steak, <laughs> then, um, you know, so I don't, I, I don't mess around with my dog's food. As long as they are patient and as long as they are calm and they wait until told, they, they can have their food once it's put down for them. <laughs> Um, you can use a crate to have start teaching Vettel if your dog is crate trained. You know, you pop them in the crate, let them rest for a couple of hours. They come out calmly, let them out for a wee, you bring them back in, teach them to settle on a bed as well. Um, it's really just teaching the dogs that, you know, what's appropriate, what's not. So for me, good manners and good behaviour the, the dog needs to learn not to jump up, not to bark for attention, not to barge through doorways. Um, those kinds of things, really. That's where I'd be starting because if you can't get those good manners and behaviour in the house, it's going to be very difficult for you to get them out in the public, in the pub, if you take your dog down the pub, um, and to train your dog to a really high standard, you know, it really helps you if you have good dog behaviour and good manners first. We've got a lot of what you just discussed covered in the masterclass, the Prama masterclass. So if you go on to yes. um, our website and look for the Prama masterclass, it's all there. 
But I think there's nothing nicer than watching somebody with a well-mannered dog. They just, it looks effortless. The dog is relaxed, the human is relaxed. You know, you see people with the dogs not on the lead and the, the dog's just happy to be with that person. It's not looking for things to distract it. It's just happy to be with them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it is lovely. And, and also, if you've got those good manners, training in a group class is so much easier. If your dog is well-behaved and well-mannered and has good basic behaviours, um, then working in a group class or training your dog in a skill set is much, much easier. Do you find that when people come to you in a group class and the dog hasn't got good manners, that not that you're on the back foot, but it's very difficult, like you said, to train a dog when you're dealing with all these things first. If somebody's got a dog with, if they look at it and say, well, if I'm honest, he's not the best behaved when we're out and about, he's not the best behaved in the house because I sort of let him get away with it. What can they do to start changing it? So if I'm working with a dog that has has what I would call behavioural problems or inappropriate behaviours that need to be modified, I tend to like to work with those owners with those dogs in a one-to-one -one at their home so that we can really get to the root cause of why the dog's behaving as it is and give them a means to fixing the relationship and teaching the dog what's appropriate, how to behave, because there's no point in them coming to a gun dog group class. They won't be able to listen for one if the dog's barking at them for attention. It was also then very distracting for the other dogs and the other owners as well. As a trainer, you find yourself trying to speak over the dog barking or having to say, okay, can you just walk your dog away? But the problem with that is then they miss out on hearing what's being said. Um, so, so if you've got a dog that has got attention-seeking behaviours like jumping up you or maybe even mouthing you or barking at you or the dog doesn't want to sit still so it starts to do something else instead like digging a hole. <laughs> um, those behaviours do need to be addressed for you to be able to enjoy coming along to a group class and um, train your dog effectively because it can be very, very distracting and very frustrating for the owner. Um, and equally, obviously, we don't want other dogs picking up on those behaviours either. So I always like to deal with those kinds of behaviours as a home visit, to assess why the dog's behaving it is, what tweaks could be made at home to improve the dog's general behaviour and manners so that they can come along and enjoy group classes far better. I don't let my clients struggle with behaviour when they come to train with me. You know, I will say to them, you, you do need to have a one-to-one -one for that. You need help for that um, outside of this group class because a group gundle class is not the appropriate place to really deal with that kind of thing. Um, so that would be my advice. We chatted briefly about a month ago about behaviourists and trainers and what's the difference. And your everyday trainer will work with dogs' behaviour, won't they? Because that's how dogs learn. Yeah, this is something in this industry that um, is a real challenge. So in my opinion, to be a good trainer, you need to be able to read dogs' body language and dog behaviour 
and modify that to get the best out of that dog for that owner you know I would feel like I was doing a disservice to my clients if I wasn't able to help them with behavior problems when training with them you know I'm not the sort of trainer that will go oh, well, the dog's biting you, but I'm a gun dog trainer, so I can't help you with that. I mean, that's crazy, isn't it? It's absolutely crazy. You 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 couldn't allow somebody to come and train with you with a dog with behavioral problems and not address that. So that's why I call myself a behavioral trainer, ultimately, because I train dogs in skill sets, but I help modify behaviors. And I think that's why I like that term behavioral trainer. If you think about it, if you take it into the human world, if you said to a teacher, do you deal with children's behaviours? They would say every single minute of every single day. Because in order to teach them anything, I have to be aware of, of what's going on, how to help them, how to help them settle. You know, you would never speak to a teacher and not expect them to understand the behaviour of the person they're trying to train. Absolutely that. And, and I, I don't see why dog trainers feel they they can be different. You know, if if you can train a dog, you have to be able to work with behaviour without a doubt. I watched an amazing film last night. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called Rescued by Ruby. And um, no, the guy who is um, the Flash on Sky, Barry Allen. He is in the Flash. I don't know what his real name is. It's called Rescued by Ruby, and it's about this like cross collie. Um, who he wants to join the police force, um, the canine unit. They're meant to buy themselves like a German Shepherd or a Malinois or something like this, and he can't afford it because he's expecting a second baby. So he goes to the rescue centre and he gets this Collie Cross. It's a brilliant film. It's really, really heartwarming. But I didn't know until the end. It's based on a true story. But it starts, oh, wow. off, it starts off with this dog who has been in and out of rescue multiple times because somebody hasn't spent the time understanding the behaviour. And it's, re it's, it's definitely worth a watch if you haven't watched it before. But yeah, like what we're talking about now, it's literally that once they had the manners and under control, understood why the dog was behaving that way, they were able to train it. But until they got those bits sussed, training it was nearly impossible because the manners, the behaviour kept on getting in the way of what it was doing. Absolutely that. You, you've hit the nail on the head, yeah. <laughs> you are teaching me something, Claire. Um, so, just to wrap up this amazing podcast yet again, what are your top tips for establishing good manners in your dog? Okay, so start in the house. Start addressing those little things and make sure that your dog is listening to you. So food manners, doorway manners, um, teaching the dog to settle. Um, and if you're struggling with behaviours, get a trainer to help you, get a behavioural trainer to come and help you. You don't have to live with behavioural problems. They can be modified. Um, and if you're struggling with very specific things, make sure that the trainer that you're working with is confident that they can help you to work with those things. Um, don't ignore them. That's a massive tip. Do not ignore these behaviours and just sit there thinking it will stop or it will go away or the dog will grow out of it. The dogs will do what we allow them to do and it will become a bad habit. And before you know it, you've got serious behavioural problems. Um, some behavioural things, um, 
let's take barking as as an example can actually get worse if you just try and ignore them so a lot of people do this ignore thing where they think well I'm not going to tell the dog that it can't do it I'm just going to ignore that behavior and hope it goes away what happens a lot of the time is the dog's behavior will escalate if you try and do that Um, so if the dog found that barking at you a few times worked the first time and then you think well I'm just going to ignore it and it might go away. You might find that your dog starts barking at you louder and for longer durations. Um, So ignoring behaviours are not a good idea. Address them. Definitely address them. Fantastic. So thank you, Claire, for another amazing podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We hope you have enjoyed. We hope you pop over to our website at www.thelwdg.com. Go have a little look. Go and see what we're up to. Check out our free content. Subscribe for our newsletter. And we look forward to speaking to you all next week. Thank you for listening to LWDG Podzog with me, Joe Parrott. Now, we all know training a dog takes time, energy and patience, but our lives can be really, really busy. Don't worry, the LWDG has got you covered. Join us for our free planning workshop where we'll show you how to use short 10-minute training sessions each day to fast-forward your dog's education. Our experts have years of experience in training dogs and will help you get started on the right foot. Register now and start making progress with your furry friend today. Go to our Facebook page, The Ladies Working Dog Group, and click on the pinned post or visit www.thelwdg.com. Thank you.